Hey guys, this is Dr. D. Hope you had a wonderful fall break and that you're ready to get started back with our EDU 206 course. We are about halfway through, so uh, keep your focus and let's finish strong. Some of you, if you have not submitted some of your assignments from first part of the course, uh, now's the time to really be getting those things in. Keep in mind you should ask for an extension if you need extra time to complete an assignment. Um, of course, anything not submitted will will be a zero in the gradebook, so make sure you are submitting things uh, in a timely manner. Just wanted to kind of rehash some of the things that we've talked about thus far, just to kind of pull us back in and review the categories of disability that we've discussed during the first half of the semester. We started out with intellectual disabilities. Keep in mind that intellectual disabilities ID used to be referred to as mental retardation. Uh, we dropped the R word, the retarded. We dropped that word um, really when President Obama signed Rosa's Law. Now it's hard to imagine that it took that many years that in just a recent presidency that we're very familiar with overturned the R word into intellectual disabilities. And the purpose of that, of course, is to be uh, polite and courteous. It's to have a more respectful tone of that category of disability rather than the harsh word of referring to someone as retarded. Now keep in mind in medical journals and other outside references, you may still hear it referred to as mental retardation, but in educational jargon and in educational literature, and certainly in IDEA special ed, you're going to always hear it referred to as intellectual disabilities. Keep in mind, in this category of disability, there are three major classifications of IQ. Intellectual disabilities are marked by low IQ scores. They have deficits in adaptive behavior, those daily living skills like feeding themselves. Uh, can they toilet on their own? Can they go to the grocery store and purchase their own groceries? Can they um, live independently in an apartment and cook their own food and make their bed? And can they wake up to an alarm clock or a cell phone alarm 
and get themselves to work? Do they know how to use public transportation? Those are uh, adaptive living skills, that adaptive behavior. And students with intellectual disabilities have um, lower scores in adaptive behavior as well. But keep in mind, the IQ and the adaptive behavior is into in three categories. There's like a mild, moderate, and then severe, the profound. Uh, your mild ID students can learn some basic academics. They could learn possibly up to a fifth or a sixth grade level. Uh, believe it or not, we've had students with a mild intellectual disability to graduate from high school with, with a diploma. So even though they have lower IQ, and keep in mind the, the score cutoff is usually 70, a 70 IQ and below, um, they can actually still progress academically and go out and contribute to the workforce, those kind of things. Um, your moderate level, the IQ is somewhere between usually 50, maybe 25 to 50, and these students typically need more support. They would function best in a functional curriculum where they are learning trainable skills, such as how to sweep the floor, how to make a bed. Um, you even have to teach them sometimes like how to brush their teeth, how to comb their hair, um, self-help skills, things like that. Survival words, danger, uh, how to read the words like um, restroom, um, things like that so that they can function a little bit more independently in society, but that moderate IQ probably and those lower adaptive behavior skills would probably point to the need for more support into adulthood. And then, of course, uh, your zero IQ to 25 IQ, that's your severe slash profound level of intellectual disabilities. And these kiddos and adults are very, very low-functioning. Uh, some of them probably live in an institution of some sort. Not going to be a lot of... Um, not a lot of awareness of the environment and what's going on around them as much. Some of them, as a matter of fact, um, appear almost vegetative in state. And I'm not, I'm not meaning that to be disrespectful in any, in any way. I'm just trying to paint a realistic picture of 
what the situation would entail. So uh, that's kind of an overview of intellectual disabilities. After that, we, we talked about learning disabilities. Now, to the contrary, learning disabled students are smart. They have average intelligence uh, to above average intelligence. They can be extremely intelligent. Having a learning disability does not mean you're stupid. It does not mean you're lazy. It does not mean that um, you don't know how to read, you don't know how to do things. It simply means you process information differently. It's a neurological wiring of the brain. Um, and it just takes a little bit longer sometimes to process information. Uh, students with learning disabilities would have um, the need for more repetition. Remember, they have a high IQ, but yet their achievement scores tend to be lower. So that discrepancy between ability with the IQ and then their performance with the achievement score, that discrepancy points strongly toward the learning disability. Um, students with learning disabilities need strategies. They need um, a structured academic program, explicit teaching to where they can process the information a lot better. Um, having a checklist, having color-coded notebooks or tabs of some sort to help them organize their material also helps them to organize their brain and to function better. So um, those are some of the things to think about and remember about learning disabilities. Remember dyslexia. It falls under a learning disability. Um, learning disabilities cover a wide variety of skills, reading, math. The math is referred to as dyscalculia. That's a hard word to say. And then dysgraphia for writing disabilities. Um, it could be in spoken language, written language. It could be in uh, visual perception or auditory perception. Uh, so learning disabilities covers a wide range of skills and so forth. Then after we talked about learning disabilities, we have moved into our third category of disabilities, emotional and behavioral disabilities. Now under IDEA, the special ed law, it's referred to simply as emotional disturbance. So it's just ED. But in other states, it's EBD. Other states throw in that word behavior. South Carolina does not. It doesn't mean that we do not serve kids with behavioral problems, but it's just in the 
the definition we go by is strictly ED. We go by the federal definition of uh, emotional disturbance. Now, these kids have more than just bad behavior. Yes, their behavior is bad, but to have an emotional disability, it runs much deeper than just every now and then throwing a temper tantrum or every now and then talking back. An emotional disability, if you remember the definition that was in your PowerPoint, marked degree over a long period of time, to a marked degree means it's going to occur frequent, frequently. It's going to be at a high rate. Sometimes the behavior is very intense. And of course, um, it's going to occur over a long period of time, meaning it's not just something every now and then. This is an established pattern that you have noticed for months and months, even into years and so forth. All of us are emotionally disabled at points in our life. Like if we lose a loved one, if we lose a pet, if we break up from a romantic relationship. Moments like that, though, are temporary. They, we tend to, in time bounce back. Kids who have an emotional disability do not bounce back. It's their, their behavior in general, their whole life is depicted by this dysfunctional, abnormal behavior, atypical behavior. Um, if you've read in your textbook already about emotional disabilities, you have noticed externalizing behaviors. Uh, those are the ones that teachers typically notice and, uh, to be honest with you, are annoyed by the most because they're the ones you see. They are the spitting, the kicking, the cursing, the arguing back, the uh, aggression, the things like that that you can see and hear. But notice if you read on in the next section of your text, there are also internalizing behaviors that students with emotional disabilities can have. Um, they can be extremely shy and withdrawn. Um, they can have um, very low self-esteem to where, to the point of being almost suicidal. So you will notice some of the uh, typical disabilities that are listed in that category, anxiety. Now keep in mind, we all experience anxiety. Uh, some of you may even be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. That's okay. That does not mean you have an emotional disability. If 
the anxiety disorder becomes to a marked degree and over a long period of time to where it totally just breaks down your ability to function and live uh, almost like you're afraid to leave your apartment. You are afraid to uh, go outside or, you know, you have these irrational phobias, fears, or that irrational anxiety to where it's debilitating and so forth. Those are the kind of um, anxieties that it's referring to for an emotional disability. So don't think that just because you experience anxiety that uh, there's something wrong because um, all of us deal with uh, anxiety at times. You know, when you're taking a test and it's timed and you've got 20 questions left and 10 minutes left, you know, to take it, naturally we get butterflies in our stomach and our uh, we start sweating bullets and things like that. So uh, anxiety in, under those kind of circumstances is very normal. And so make sure you understand uh, the difference in what requires it to become an emotional disability. Um, those are the main things. Uh, the definition, of course, is one that is has some controversy to it because <laughs> these kids de definitely are social misfits. They can't get along with each other. They can't get along with teachers. That's one of the qualifying characteristics and one of the um, elements in the definition of emotional disability. But yet kids who are socially maladjusted don't qualify for ED. And so you're sitting here shaking your head going, what? That doesn't make any sense. And so there are some crazy things in the definition that over the years has been highly debated and um, lots of people have, like in the mental health field, have tried to overturn the definition. But IDEA has not changed the definition uh, Eli Bauer is still credited with the definition of ED, and it's been around uh, since his definition and has not changed. So school psychologists have a hard time when it comes to identifying kids with intellectual disabilities because um, they, well, because of the controversy in the definition, and then it's subjective because you're dealing with emotions and feelings. And what is a glaring problem to one teacher is not a glaring problem to another teacher. So it makes it difficult to pinpoint sometimes whether or not it's a true emotional disability. Thirdly, school psychologists... Um, are cautious in putting that label on a kid because, quite frankly, it follows the kid for the rest of his or her life. And um, like the self-fulfilling prophecy, if you see that a kid is emotionally disabled, it sometimes, even though you don't intentionally 
try to be biased. It can sometimes affect teachers' attitudes, and you expect the kid then to be ED, so you treat the kid like they're ED, and self-fulfilling prophecy, the kid lives up to your expectations and just decides, okay, I'll just be ED then. So school psychologists tend to be cautious for those reasons as well. Um, keep those things in mind. And guys, if you have questions, please, please, please don't hesitate to text me or call me or shoot me an email or post something on our on Canvas. Um, I'm here to help you. I don't want you to feel like that you're struggling and that the pieces of the puzzle are not coming together. Um, so just kind of keep some of this in mind. And I'm hoping that um, the podcast will continue to consolidate the material so that uh, we're hitting the high spots because this is just an introductory course. And there are 13 categories of disability under IDEA. We're not going to cover all 13 in the um, to the intensity that we've done the ones thus far. I've selected the ones um, that you will primarily be dealing with as regular and special educators in the school setting. So um, some of the others we will talk about, but we just won't go into the amount of detail that we are with uh, the ones that we're really highlighting in your modules and so forth. Thank you so much. Continue to push hard. Continue to work and study. And um, I'm here if you need me. Don't hesitate to reach out. Have a good night.